felt it's really important for women uh, to become more aware of health conditions, break the myths, break the taboos and speak about it openly. We started a talk show on this in the month of January and in four months alone, our talk show has launched 12 episodes on very important health issues with some of the topmost doctors of India and their patients who brilliantly spoken about their journeys. We've already got over 3 million views on this channel. And what we're doing right now is phase two of this movement, if I may call it that, where we are reaching out to corporates and talking to them um, about some important health initiatives. Today, I'm very proud and happy to introduce a very dear friend, one of India's topmost gynecs, Hema Devakar. Hema is based out of Bangalore. She leads um, her nursing home in Bangalore. She's a key opinion leader and is called on various platforms uh, for her expertise. She's also a member of FIGO, as you can see, an international association of gynecs and has many national and international accolades to her name. We're so happy to have Hema with us today to talk on a very uh, less known, but very important topic called PCOS, Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome. So Hema, um, my first question to you would be, what is the prevalence of PCOS in India and why is it that very few women know about this condition? Namaskar to everybody watching this show and thank you, Namita, for having me on. So we are talking something other than COVID. That is the first positive note with which we want to start with because come what may, women will have to deal with the problems that they're likely to have before, during and after COVID era and PCOS ranks amongst the top five, if you may um, so say. Your question was, what is the prevalence? So my response to that is many women think that they have PCOS. So if you count that, then the prevalence is one in two. Every second person who has had the ultrasound scan done for one reason or the other says, sees the bottom line and says the ovaries are looking like PCOS and they uh, vouch for the fact that yes, they have PCOS. That's actually a misconception. But when you get to your doctor, the doctor will not only see your scan report, but there are several other pieces in the puzzle which have to fit there for you to be called as a case of PCOS. So in reality, the perception may be that PCOS happens to anyone in your neighborhood, but actually by definitions and by in the scientific world, in India, if you see, the Asians are more prone to this, unfortunately. So it used to be said that one in 10, but now we have fig figured out that it is every one in five women has PCOS. And one more important thing, let me clarify right at the outset and put it in the context. Once upon a time, as the story goes, this PCOS was not called PCOS. It was called PCOD, polycystic ovarian disease. And as the time went by, we recognized that the D, the disease, has to be replaced with the S syndrome. PCOD, that is polycystic ovarian disease, no longer remained a disease because it is indeed not a disease process. It is a mixture of few little odd things that happen uh, to a woman. So the S, which is a syndrome, is like a constellation of stars. If it has a particular pattern, 
this, that, and the other seemingly unconnected with each other, but everything falls together, then it is called a PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. So why many people don't know about it was your next question. Well, I think people kind of know about it, but do not know what exactly it is. Because PCOS has become a style statement in many of the metros, Namita, if you see, because anybody who gets this report in their hand, the next thing they do is to reach out for Dr. Google. And there is a lot that they read about it and first of all, get all clouded and confused in their heads and they get a lot more anxious than what they should be because they think that everything in the sequence will happen to each one of them. So as I said, typically the PCOS or the syndrome, little of this, little of that, and the mix and match in a combination, which can affect and which can give rise to some symptoms and short and long reaching consequences, then the doctor will say, well, here is a case of PCOS, which we will need to manage. So that is the story about the PCOD turning into PCOS and one in five uh, women having this and moving around in our population with a lot of myths and misconceptions. And here we are to sort it out to the best possible, um, in the best possible manner that we can. That is so well said. And you're right that very often when we Google, there's just so much information that you don't know what to take and what's the most relevant. So again, in very layman terms, can you tell us about what exactly is PCOS? And as women, what are the symptoms that we need to be aware of to know that this qualifies for PCOS and we need to go see a doctor? Okay, needless to say, many women who have uh, the document saying that they have PCOS know what it expands as, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So they are well aware of each of those terms. So it is like a pearl, uh, a string of pearls, but in the wrong place. Any women would love to have a string of pearls around the neck, but that's not what PCOS is. PCOS is a string of pearls in the ovaries, as the name itself says. So poly means many. Cystic means like tiny, 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 tiny water bubbles. So polycystic. So there are many water bubble-like things which look like pearls. Ovaries, because the key reproductive organ in a woman, which is the ovary, which secretes all the hormones, so that is the site of these little air bubble-like things, you know, which are documented there. So poly means many, cystic means air or water bubble-like structures. Ovary is on your ovary. Syndrome is that many little things coming together, trying to work together to give you some symptoms. So that is in short polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it is something that affects your ovaries, but because it changes the nature of the functioning or the working of your ovaries, things go bizarre. So one of the key things your ovaries are responsible is your menstrual cycles. So that is thrown out of gear because these little cystic structures do not allow your ovary to function in the manner that it should. If it is very stubborn, you're likely not to have your menses for many months. If it's somewhat moderately, you know, not so tough, but it's still trying to misbehave, then delayed scanty cycles. 
very irregular menstrual cycle is one of the hallmarks of the PCOS which, with which uh, the women seek help. But there are other little things because it can affect uh, even younger girls and the acne or the pimples on their faces, you know, which they're really, really worried about and psychologically disturbs them as well. And what we call as hirsutism or the hair growth, the facial hair growth at the wrong side in, in a coarse way, which really, you know, if, even if it um, is very scanty, it does enormously affect their uh, psyche. So the menstrual irregularities, the acne on the face, the hirsutism or the facial hair growth, and what we call as acanthosis or near the neck, there is a dark pigmentation. Okay, many of them try to wear an outfit which is close necked so that you know they will cover that and it is because it's cosmetically very worrisome. So having said this much about the somewhat the less threatening symptoms of PCOS, one of the main things that ovary is also responsible as you know Namita is for the reproductive function, the release of the eggs every month, which uh, affects the fertility of a woman. So many young girls have heard about this, that those who have PCOS may not be able to conceive easily. The mothers especially are very worried because by the time she gets into um, her, uh, uh, you know, not even entered the college, by which time if she has a little stomachache and uh, the doctor has asked for a scan and she comes back with a report of PCOS, the first thing that strikes any mom is, should I get her married early? Will she have difficulty in bearing children? You know, all these are not really bothering that young girl, but it certainly bothers the mother because she has heard a lot about it. So PCOS and infertility going hand in hand is, you know, another common uh, pattern. Beyond this, the obesity part of it, the hormones try and tend to make you put on more weight. So the there are uh, PCOS who are lean, who are not obese also, but mostly, very typically, it's very easy to gain weight where you are declared as a case of PCOS. And there are certain hormones in the body which ought to have been manufactured very differently with your ovaries. But as I said, if the ovary is inflicted with PCOS, all the hormone productions, the ratios, the nature of the hormone itself is more towards a male hormone. And therefore, it explains a lot of these other symptoms that uh, happens. And everybody is aware of diabetes, which is something related to insulin. So PCOS is like a forerunner of this because it also has something to do with the what we call as insulin resistance. Many of you would have heard of popping a pill, antibiotics, don't take too many of them because you'll get into antibiotic resistance. That means antibiotics you're taking, but it's not working. The same way the body's manufacturing insulin, but it's not working as how it should because something else is interfering with this work. So it's insulin resistance, which again is the foundation of many things that go bizarre and haywire. This sounds a little complicated, but from the girls or women's point of view, it's the menstrual cycles, it is the acne, it's the facial hair, it's the pigmentation, it is 
the um, obesity, it's the infertility problems, all of these. And long term, as I said, because it's something to do with insulin, the control of the glucose in the body, the tendency to become diabetic, all of these. So you can see that it's a continuum. It's a chain of little, little things which can go wrong, but all put together, it is called the metabolic syndrome. That means everything which has to go in an orderly, healthy manner, it is a forerunner to a series of illness and consequences. But each one of them, if you see it separately, you may think it's not threatening. It's not a big deal. But what we're talking here, Namita, is about a syndrome. Syndrome, typically, I said, many pieces in the puzzle which come together, the zigzag is made into a comprehensive package, if you may say, which transforms the wellness into illness over the whole spectrum of their lifespan. This is very good because, uh, you know, you very clearly outlined what are the symptoms that if a mother sees it in her daughter or, you know, if you notice in other women, you need to tell them that you may be suffering from PCOS, please go get yourself uh, checked by a gynec. When a woman goes to a gynec, what, um, you know, exactly is a gynec going to do to diagnose and confirm whether the patient has PCOS or not? Okay, uh, the thing is, mostly the suspicion is raised out of the symptoms or what we call the clinical findings. If we notice, you know, all of the things that I said, and then the scan also reports that there are many cysts on the ovaries. We ask for some blood tests also. And let me tell everybody, just having a scan report, again, I underline, is not to be you know, threatening your mind and escalating your anxiety, thinking that you have the PCOS because it necessarily needs two other factors to match. And then when you put one and one together, then you can declare it's PCOS. Having said this, I want to also emphasize like how even in diabetes, was a mild, moderate, and severe. Similarly in PCOS, yes, it may look like that. One or two little things may be there, but you have no symptoms. You have already conceived. You've had the said number of children, but still your ovary is looking like a PCOS. So what? Then we as doctors will not even need to manage it as a disease process because it's not a disease. Okay? And only if it interferes and throws up these symptoms, if there are menstrual irregularities, we have to do something to correct that. When I say something, one of the key things is the weight loss. The lifestyle management is the key to the PCOS management because the manufacturing units of the wrong kind of hormones lie within your fat cells, okay? If you burn your fat, if you reduce 5 to 10% of the fat in your body, then it's as if those many manufacturing units are shut down. So when there is a shutdown of those manufacturing units, they no longer manufacture the wrong kind of hormones. And then lo and behold, your cycle starts getting regular. When your acne disappears, the hair growth starts reducing, the ovary starts functioning in its usual manner and everything reverses. So a large component of the management is in the fat loss. 
that is the key the lifestyle change is absolutely absolutely uh, the uh, key to the management the menstrual cycles may be a little more uh, you know uh, needing uh, some medication one way or the other like a cyclical contraceptive pill for example or something to uh, regularize the cycles and as i told you if the cosmetic treatment is needed so that needs to be managed as well but if there's nothing the mild case may not even have the menstrual irregularities may not have all these manifestations just a slight degree of variation of the hormone she may conceive easily left on her own then you don't have to necessarily jump and treat it because it's not a disease process so how you manage a case of pcos entirely depends on what is the end point you're looking for so that is again dependent on the symptoms that she has and the age groups where she belongs because fertility treatment obviously you will not offer to somebody who is 18 and having pcos likewise for somebody who is 40 and already finished the said number of children again you will not focus on the fertility so one and one do not go together in these circumstances so the age the symptoms the actual your goal uh, needs to be kept in mind when you manage this but the basis for everything is your lifestyle management that's a given but all the other little things around that will vary in its degrees sometimes mild sometimes moderate sometimes very stubborn you may not need to do anything you may just need to do a little bit or you may need to do a lot more so that is the whole range of things that pcos presents us and very 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 individualized tailor made treatment need to be offered so there, because there is no blanket treatment i urge each one of the viewers that they must just not go by a mix and match of their symptoms and try and see the friend is being treated by this so let me also take this you know so that is not going to work out because you need an opinion from the concerned specialist to see what you really require okay so uh, please do not uh, get over anxious and going to of course one thing is everybody who just says but doesn't walk the talk is about the lifestyle management because uh, it's very hard to lose weight in case of pcos in case they are obese so you really need to be disciplined motivate yourself well enough to see to it that there are many apps now available who objectively keep track of what you're doing whether you're cheating what kind of calories and what's the burnout so you can lean on these because it's not only for these short term problems i told you about diabetes and other issues that can you know it has a nexus or it has a connection with the pcos so if you work on yourself for the long term problems to be avoided that's also a really a good thing that you can do on your own <laughs> there's no <laughs> denying that but uh, too much of uh, over treatment by yourself just because of a hearsay and then today you're having the scan done and it's pco two years later you have the scan done and say oh my pco has not gone it's the same ovaries the character of the ovaries will not change they will look similar but they will start behaving differently when you start getting into the right line of treatment if you do need the treatment that is i think so beautifully you explained and basically in summary a mild form may not 
not even need anything and it could really depend on the symptoms so it could be cosmetic it could be a medication for controlling or regularizing the menses it could be diabetes medication if that's at a high risk or like you said if there are fertility issues there could be fertility treatments that are recommended so how beautifully Absolutely. you said that it really depends on the type of pcos and uh, hema we have a lot of questions from our viewers so i'm going to jump right into that because i think that will shed a lot of light uh, this priya kokreja who says my menstrual cycle lasts for only a day and a half is it a matter of concern and is this something that i should get checked to see if i have pcos okay so everything uh, that alters your menstrual pattern need not originate from pcos that's point number 1 and how regular your menstrual cycles are priya that is more important than the amount of bleeding that you will have suppose it is coming in an orderly manner once in 28 days once in 32 days but it is at a regular frequency but the amount is little scanty then you can just take it as a blessing in disguise and stay there because there is no need to aggressively get yourself treated and bleed because too much bleeding is uh, really you know that is what we have to chase and uh, treat it in many women yeah thank you thank you hema there are a lot of questions around diet so i know you mentioned lifestyle being very important and especially a good diet to control obesity so meena shetty is asking is the paleo keto diet to be followed if you have pcos which is essentially no dairy sugar fruit dried fruit cereals legumes grains etc and then polomi mazumdar has the same question that how do i change my diet um, and what should i include and exclude uh, for pcos specifically actually you know a smart way of managing your diet is first of all you note down what you are eating every day that is your daily diet schedule so even that many would not have reflected on because they don't know how much of what they are eating per day and you should not try to majorly change your content or the ingredients in your diet because that is not going to sustain long because you suddenly you may label it as keto you may label it as dietitian you may a lot of fancy names are there but the principle you must remember what is it that makes a difference it's the carbohydrates and the sugars okay so you have to see to it that if you want i have said about the apps also checklist on the carbohydrates suppose dosa is a carbohydrate so you want to eat three dosas and just a small katori of sambar then you're having lots of carbohydrates and very little proteins which is in the dal of the uh, sambar or the chutney instead of that you cut the portion size you make it only two dosas but a large katori of sambar so there's a lot more protein there okay but the carbohydrates are reducing so portion size cutting in two dosas two at least um, one small bowl of upma so the the proportion is something that you really have to pay attention to and whatever is made of the carbohydrate that you have to keep it to the minimal because you have to you know not continue to feel hungry you have to feel full also so you have to eat <laughs> substantially so if you eat a lot of proteins and then you just put up you know half a spoon of ghee there the fat slowly it will burn out you know uh, over the day and not immediately rush you into uh, the calories and the sugar so that's an advantage and anything with fiber the apple which is with its skin okay so that fiber food it gives you a feeling of satiety 
it makes up for the uh, calories and vitamins and antioxidants, but the carbohydrate proportion is thereby lessened. So many small frequent eating. Okay, So breakfast, lunch and dinner, you are not allowed to eat a lot of carbohydrates. That is one rule you have to keep to yourself. And in the middle, you have to keep snacking with the right kind. If you eat two almonds, two cashews, they're small to eat, good amount of calories. You'll not put on weight with them. And then, you know, chas, that lassi and <clears throat> canned fruit juices are the worst. Okay. So it, it also, we tell it as a traffic signal system. The green, yellow, and red. It's the same rice, but if it's a brown rice, it's green. If it's white rice, it is yellow. And if it's biryani cooked with a lot of things there, it goes into the red. So that is the flow. There are many such simple tricks available because you should get into a pattern which will keep you energetic and full through the day and which will not burden your system with a lot of carbohydrates and you know escalate the uh, weight. The calorie in should also match calorie out. That means 30 minutes of walking, you know, all ulta pulta exercises also, we don't want you to indulge without, you know, the, the yeah, supervision of somebody who is training because uh, many women already have their back aches and they try to uh, go and do some uh, gymnastics and activities uh, without um, yeah, any instructor or advice and they can get into more trouble than what they originally are. Then everything comes to a full stop. So all or none phenomenon, we do not want you to indulge in and the discipline should not come just because we are telling you or your doctor is telling you or somebody else is telling you. It has to come from within because you, when we say your health is in your hands, that also means that you have to decide for yourself and many women, when they're determined for themselves, they do it. And we have seen phenomenal results. So tweak your own daily diet pattern into a smaller portion size, a plate concept where you divide the plate into four sections. One quarter is your carbohydrates. That is that small vati of upma or uh, dosa or whatever. I'm vegetarian, so I'm sorry mentioning only this South Indian vegetarian stuff. But, you know, that's what one quarter should be. Another quarter is your uh, dals and uh, proteins. Another quarter is the salads and uh, vegetables, uh, sabji and things like that. And the last quarter being the fruits. So if you divide it like that, the plate concept. So anytime you sit down with a plate, you see that these portion sizes are small and they occupy a tiny corner in your plate, you will definitely do well. And this is so doable because don't clean the dining table till you walk around your own home for 10 to 15 minutes and then go put the dishes for washing. So that is a compulsory 15, 15 minute walk, maybe after breakfast and dinner for those who are going to office, maybe after lunch and dinner for those who are at home. And so it, uh, uh, 30 minutes of your walking is kind of nearly done. You know, please work with the principle of something better than nothing, you'll do well. <laughs> In fact, you know, you mentioned so much about uh, exercise and said even 30 minutes and making it simple is important. But a lot of questions from our audience has come on weight management. So, for example, Ishita Pal is mentioning that I'm battling PCOS for the last two years. And the main challenge I face is losing weight. And in her case, even after controlling her diet, 
um, and moderate exercise, she's not able to lose weight. Uh, what do you recommend for such women? No, see, that is, that is the nature of these hormones. They will not permit you to lose weight very easily. Losing weight is a great uphill task. And to keep your motivation on, if you have set unexpected, unrealistic goals for yourself, that in two months' time, just because you've seen somebody has lost six to eight kilos, you think you'll be able to do that, no, Ishita, you will not be able to do. keep your goals realistic. And there are machines available now who, which will check not only your weight, but also your fat percentage. 5% of the fat you lose, medically speaking, it goes a long way, leaps and bounds in keeping your internal system healthy, the hormones healthy, and all these metabolic diseases, which I mentioned. So you may not very significantly lose weight, but if you start even losing 5% of your fat, and that will not be difficult. If you keep to your diet and exercising, you may not see the impact by way of weight loss, but you will definitely see the impact by way of your menstrual cycles becoming normal and all of these symptoms which we mentioned. Everything will slowly, steadily start reversing. And even that, if you achieve, it's a very good thing. Of course, if... Everybody, you know, cannot lose significant amount of weight by just a simple lifestyle management because that sounds too simple, but it's difficult to follow. There are some medications which have to be taken within half an hour of your lunch and they will not allow the fat content of, of your meal to get absorbed. So that is one way, but that's a very short term because the moment you stop it, then rebound, you will gain weight. So those are not the first line what we would suggest. And of course, for morbidly obese, like your 130 kilograms and you, know, you really uh, have medical issues where you need to undergo bariatric surgery, then that is an option for a very select uh, few, not, not necessarily because of PCOS, not necessarily because of the problems that they have, but that morbid obesity is a magnifying glass, as you may say, for all the other problems you may have later in your life. So uh, in some cases, uh, we may even suggest that depending on the need. Yeah. Wonderful. Another question, Hema, that is extremely common and a lot of people have asked is about infertility. So they're mm -hmm. saying that while you are uh, planning a pregnancy, uh, Manali Mehta is asking, what are the aspects to be taken care of by uh, PCOS women? And is it, you know, are they always infertile or can PCOS women conceive normally too? Or they have to go through uh, infertility treatments like IVF all the time? Oh, not at all. Uh, many of the PCOS women do conceive without even recognizing that there are cases of PCOS. You know, that's that's generally the case because they may have got a scan done when they're 40 or 42 for some other menstrual problems. And then the ovary is the same for your lifetime. So it may still show a PCO pattern. And when the doctor asks how many children they've had, they may have already had four children without having recognized that there were cases of PCO. So it all depends on whether the PCOS pattern is such that it is interfering with the functioning of the ovaries to delay the key process of egg release, which is the key to the making of a pregnancy. So the um, fact is that if you have regular cycles once in a month, that means your ovary is releasing one egg in a month. You know, just let's keep it simple. And that's how it is. So you have 12 chances in a year to become pregnant. Suppose 
it's a stubborn PCO and you have your cycles once in three months. Then you have only four eggs released in that year. So you will have only four chances. So that much the chances will reduce. In those cases, yes, the doctor will study the case and make sure that there is no other problem. Make sure it's a delayed ovulation or no ovulation that is causing your fertility issues. Then there are very many ovulation inducing drugs, what we call. We will stump the ovary and make it behave just like you beat up the little children to make them behave properly. That's how you will do to your ovaries with the help of these drugs and maybe some injections and they will monitor and make sure you release the eggs. And once we have made sure you release the eggs, then if there are not so many other issues, you should be able to easily conceive. And yes, PCOS is a label who can be perfectly normal with their menstrual cycles, ovulation and fertility. They will not need any treatment at all. The mid-range, yes, it's the same PCOS, but misbehaving a little bit, delayed ovulation. So if you've not yet reached the doctor, third month you've ovulated, but that's the month you've conceived. So you're still spontaneously conceiving. Without not every case of a delayed menstrual cycle needs uh, the drug, but if enough time has gone by, two years, three years, and you know all these bizarre things are happening, then the most common cause for infertility is anovulation with or without PCOS. That means if the eggs are not released, that start point for the pregnancy is not there. So the treatment is also pretty much you know available and simple. And if it is very very stubborn, that you really need to bombard it with many things for making it do the simple jobs that all other women are doing with their ovaries. In those select cases, the doctor may ask you for advanced assisted reproductive technologies and therapies. Only a very, very small subset will finally have to go into the IVF, fixie and all. So it's like a step ladder. You know, if you jump to the last, you have lost your immense opportunities to do something simple for yourself and have as many children as you want, I may say. <laughs> when, you know, one or two, I know y'all will dread it, but <laughs> but we can. No, this is great. You know, the questions keep coming and on diet, there's one more question on if you have lean PCOS, so if you're not obese, then is there something that you need to do with your diet differently or it's the same that you mentioned earlier for PCOS? No, it's the same because the... Lean PCOS may look lean, but it has again something to do with the fat cells, which has the connection to the insulin resistance in the first place, which I mentioned. So even the lean ones will lose 5% fat. Again, it's a step ahead in regularizing all the internal processes. Your own body's insulin works better and it makes the ovary behave even more better. So the lean or the uh, obese PCO, obese PCOs, there's an extra challenge. It's obvious, it's visible. So you need to lose weight uh, as well because infertility treatment also, many doctors will say, go lose weight and come and then we will start you on uh, treatment. In fact, um, the patients will turn back and ask, no, but uh, in my neighborhood, there are so many you know, obese women, fat women who have uh, happily conceived. So without losing weight, <laughs> you just get on to the next step, doctor. Just uh, need to have my pregnancy. That's it. So don't <laughs> expect me to lose weight. Yeah, so that, those are the kind of uh, uh, interactions we have oftentimes with a uh, patient. But in your own interest, it is good for you to lose the fat percentage. It's good for you to lose weight. But even the lean PCOs, percentage fat has to be decreased and 
the internal system of the hormones have to be set right because PCOS and insulin resistance is the lock and key. You know, that has to be unlocked as how um, Namita has said, unconditioned. <laughs> so unlocking. <laughs> so that uh, process has to happen whether you're lean or obese. That is just another additional, uh, you know, the, the basic um, character of the PCOS is the same as in how it plays, but obesity is an additional burden, if I may say, because it's not, once again, I emphasize, it's not easy to lose weight. And sometimes some doctors don't believe that you have tried hard enough to lose weight. Then, you know, you just come back with the same weight. They don't have the machines which actually check your fat percentage. And the way it comes across, you may be disappointed within yourself, first of all, and one interaction with the medical personnel also, they say, see, I told you, you're not doing good enough. See, you may not have kept your diet. But that is actually, according to me, being insensitive. Because I think every woman, as I told you, if you want to do it, and if you make up your mind, you will do it. Please trust yourself for that. And the percentage fat loss by just manipulations of your daily diet with a simple practical advice from my dietitian will really, really go a long way. It's not a rocket science. And once you get the pulse of it, you will be able to not only manage for yourself, but your whole family will benefit with that because you will start looking at the nutritional values and the right things that you have to provide your children and your others living in your family. And it will be a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, footstep for a healthy future for the entire generation to come if I may say. No, that's lovely. I'm glad you spoke about lean PCOS and how fat percentage is important to monitor even there. Um, you know, in fact, I'd just like to take a quick moment to mention that when we had a, a talk show where uh, we have lovely women coming and sharing their stories, we had Aditi who came on the show and spoke about her fight with obesity. And she mentioned about how, um, you know, I would highly encourage women to visit our YouTube channel, Uncondition Yourself with Namita and listen to her story. It's only a 15-minute show. And she talks about how just controlling her insulin and just taking medications to control her insulin um, and a little bit of diet and exercise helped her lose something like 15, 16 kilos. So sometimes it's also taking a little bit of medication to control your insulin along with your exercise and diet. Correct, Doc? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of quick questions around myths. So I don't know if they're myths or something we need to uh, discuss. Uh, this Pooja was asking, is smoking bad for PCOS? And then there's uh, Abhinaya who's asking if screen time is bad for PCOS. <laughs> no, I think they're not very directly connected because of all uh, the mechanisms of how this PCOS drives the internal system crazy, if I may say. The, the smoking is uh, generally, you know, uh, bad for the lungs. And when you do get pregnant, it is bad for uh, the baby because the blood supply uh, across to the baby will, you know, um, get clogged in. And so those are the uh, issues uh, when it comes to smoking. And any addiction is very hard to de-link uh, when you uh, do get pregnant. So somewhere you have to tune your uh, discipline for the sake of many other responsibilities, if I may say, that you may be 
you know uh, called upon to do so that's about smoking the screen time you know everything is uh, blamed on the screen time but it is more for your back aches and shoulder pains and eye uh, dry eye and eyes and uh, you know the headaches and the stress levels which go haywire but uh, all these put together as environmental factors if you just you know it, it clogs you with that much more um, stressing etc then again the insulin uh, plays there so in a very very remote and an indirect way i may say that everything you think you are not doing right can have a small part to play in the overall health of your own self inclusive of that of pcos but direct connections if you reduce your screen time you'll be rid of pcos or all the hormones will come back to normal that's a no you know there are lots of questions around periods um so you know we have questions like is a 35 day period normal or a question like it's if it's very heavy in the first two days um and then very less on the third and almost nothing on the fourth day you know when you talk about irregular periods being one of the symptoms yeah. uh, a lot of women have questions around what are irregular periods uh, definition and can you and these are two examples i gave you yeah. one thing 35 days second talking about the quantum of flows so at what point will you call it irregular and a woman sh- should go get herself tested to see if she has pcos namita have you seen any two women being the same in any respect any time anywhere anyhow no <laughs> so so the same applies for the periods also so the patterns are going to be like a kaleidoscope they are going to be different for sure but what we say medically is acceptable pattern see again coming to the mother daughter combination if mother is having one pattern and her daughter is not having the same pattern the mothers are extremely worried you know that uh, she is not falling in line with uh, what so uh, the concept of everything being similar is first of all no and what is acceptable to us we counted in terms of weeks so as early as 3 weeks that is 21 day cycle also is acceptable and that is the regularity that it maintains so that is how your body is programmed that is the pattern within yourself but typically it's a once in 4 weeks okay but the delays up to 5 to 6 weeks are also acceptable it is just like our differences in the heights namita average height is say 5 uh, feet some may be 4 feet um, 10 inches we'll say okay you don't call her a dwarf and uh, some 5 uh, feet 5 inches yeah good height but you know you don't call him you know like a giraffe covering up so these are the variations within the limits 3 4 5 6 is in the acceptable range but 4 weeks is the standard pattern or the typical pattern so that is as far as the cycle length goes but sometimes at 3 weeks sometimes 6 weeks sometimes not at all that kind of irregularity means something irregular is happening within your body then you know you and your doctor will need to pay attention to that and about the amount of bleeding scanty bleeding i had already answered the, uh, in the first round the question that the amount of bleeding you know again it, it, it doesn't really matter regularity is the matter the heavy flow when they say heavy flow if they are using a tampon or a menstrual cup or uh, the pads the heavy flow if it starts on a monday it has to end on next monday and all days you may not have heavy flow the first two days may be less then it's more then less but by next monday by eight days it will full stop so that is a, a varying pattern within that week first two days may be heavy then scanty then not at all but anyhow whether it stops at third day fifth day seventh day 
it should not prolong for 10, 12, 15, 18 days, right until the time that you already get your next menstrual cycle. But how we count the heavy bleed is, you have done a lot of campaigns on anemia, okay? If you check your hemoglobin and it is way too less, that means you are losing more blood than necessary, then we have to jump into action and we have to regularize the amount of uh, bleeding. But otherwise, if you're in the pink of health and that is the pattern of your body and two days you have a little more bleeding and third, fourth day it's stopping, it's, it's absolutely perfectly okay. So when we say irregular, it's more in terms of the cycle length. Sometimes this, sometimes that, sometimes not at all. That bothers us more than the uh, actual amount of bleeding unless it is way too heavy and it's um, you know coming in the way of your general health and we really need to pay them serious attention and put it back on track. And I think you've answered many questions. Like there's a question that if the period cycle is longer than usual once in a while. So, you know, normal is 28 to 35 days, like you mentioned. Yeah. Sometimes if it's, uh, you know, you go more than 35 days without it. So let's say the gap is 40 days. But if, if it happens only once in a while, we needn't be worried. Yeah. But like you rightly said, if it's a very regular pattern, then we need to be concerned about it. Correct? Yeah. Uh, the other question, there are a lot of questions around dairy. So, you know, should we exclude dairy? Should we exclude especially cow's milk because that has a negative impact on insulin? So a lot of questions around milk, if you can address that. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, this is an important question because uh, they have the misconception and they don't even drink the amount of milk that they normally ought to drink because any Indian woman, you know, the first of all, it depends on the size of your glass as well. You know, in small, uh, again, you know, in the South, there's that small coffee cups in that they're drinking the milk and then some mini are adding water to it and this, that and the other. So that is it. And a large, like a Punjabi cup of that lassi cup, that is, so it depends on how much maximum most of the women drink either two to three large cups, you know, which is totally allowed because that much calcium is the requirement. For all our Indian women, we are giving calcium supplements and vitamin D supplements because all of them are lacking in uh, the calcium. Their dietary calcium is mainly coming from the milk and milk products and that is grossly inadequate. That is, that's uh, uh, generally, you know, everywhere, right across the country, the, whether in pregnancy, before pregnancy, young girls, any age group, if you think. So they may be thinking that they are drinking two, three glasses of uh, milk, but that is, uh, uh, that is the minimum that one should uh, take for their calcium requirement. But more than that, if it is a milkshake, for example, then the element of the sugar, uh, which is again a carbohydrate and that's the wrong kind of uh, uh, stuff. So milk, again, go with the traffic signal system. So if you're drinking a lot of milkshakes and uh, you know, a lot of sugar added uh, into the milk and that is the red zone. And uh, if you drink skimmed milk, uh, that will be the green and the, um, the regular kind of milk will come in the amber. Yeah. Excellent. There are a lot of questions here around dependency on hormonal pills or birth control pills. So a lot of women are saying that they have PCOS and one of the treatments is taking these hormonal or birth control pills. And the minute they stop, their periods become irregular again. So are they going to be dependent on these pills for life? Again, uh, first of all, the doctor will decide whether 
such perfectly regular periods you will require and that they will not uh, give you the pills uh, if it's in the acceptable range that we have just discussed. That is point number one. The second thing is they will always, always advise a lifestyle change. And believe me that five to 10% of the fat, if you lose, you will be amazed to see how regular your cycles uh, do become because uh, we ask you to actually keep your menstrual diary and uh, you know, the, not only it will become regular, but it will stay regular for a long, long time. The third um, situation is you are married, you have the set number of children and low dose uh, birth control pills are a good thing for contraception. So, by the way, they will also have your cycles regular and the ovary is in a resting phase because what do these contraceptive pills do? It will arrest the release of the egg or the ovulation. That's how it offers you the contraception, which means you're allowing your ovary to rest for a while. Okay, you're not compelling it to produce the eggs, which is in the first place it's producing in a bizarre way. So that is a fine way of a short-term treatment as well. If you need contraception, yes, low-dose contraceptive pills that take for two years, five years, six years. You can't say you're dependent on them. You need them for contraception. You're taking it, but you're benefiting from your PCO irregular cycle pattern as well. But in addition to that, I may say that three to six months of the cyclical pills when the situation is very, very bad, then when you stop it, by which time if you've lost a little bit weight and disciplined yourself, you need not go back to the pill ever again. Your cycles will start behaving a lot better than what they were and your pattern will become regular on its own. But some stubborn cases, the moment you stop the pill, you go back to square one, then sometimes helplessly, we will need to put you back on the pills, which are safe and it's, it's a good thing to do rather than having very bizarre, very heavy menstrual cycles. Uh, there are a lot of mothers here who are saying that their daughters at the age of 14 or 15 got diagnosed with PCOS. And they're concerned that at such a young age, to put them on this medication uh, could have side effects. And, uh, you know, so they're asking that just losing weight, will that manage it for young girls or they have to be on this heavy medication and what could be the long-term side effect? The question is very right, very important. And it's a concern of each and every mother. As I was mentioning the mothers again and again, Unfortunately, what is happening is many young girls, for one reason or the other, they're having their scans done. And once the scan is done and it comes, the bottom line comes as PCOS, then it gets into the head and the PCO pattern, instead of sitting in the ovary, it is sitting in the brain. And then, you know, they're anxious, even though we tell them at this stage, it doesn't require any treatment because many of them will have delayed cycles, scanty cycles, and the mothers say, no, regularize them, regularize them. And they say, it's not needed. You know, it's a lot of pressure, which we uh, should not yield to. And the mothers also should not make their daughters anxious that there is something already wrong because please believe me, it is not a disease process. And at 14, 15, unless the pattern of menstruation is disturbing her routine activities, we seldom treat it. Very short-term medication and the lifestyle advice is all that she will require. We will really, really refrain from treating her because it will self-regulate. And when she comes to the reproductive age, then if she wants contraception, that will be the primary line of treatment where the cycles also get regular. If she can't conceive within two to three years and we find that PCO is to blame, 
then we'll go along those treatments. But if none of those things happen and then she reaches her menopause, well, the PCOS is there, right from her adolescence to the reproductive to the menopausal age, because it is her ovaries and that's the pattern in her ovaries, so it can stay. This is wonderful. We have only uh, five minutes remaining. So I'm just going to ask you one quick last question on what are some of the most common myths associated with PCOS? And, um, you know, secondly, uh, related to that, I'm a very strong advocate that women need to speak up and not be ashamed of disease conditions because most of them are treatable. So how do we get over the stigmas associated with PCOS and make women comfortable talking about it? So one, what are the myths? Uh, maybe a few. And two, how do we smash the taboos and get women comfortable talking about these health conditions, including PCOS? Okay, I think uh, coming to the second question first, I think it's a lot talked about and therefore there are so many myths circulating in the air over there because everybody wants to discuss their PCO pattern because it is found such a common kitty party place, if I may say, you know, everybody wants to talk about it. So it is um, more often than not more talked about and the stigmas attached to it is clearly the myths about the infertility and PCOS. As if women are only baby producing machines, they will first look at PCOS, even if the girl is 14 years, she's nowhere close to her marriageable age, leave alone her childbearing potential. That is what is primarily being discussed about and uh, you know, planting the seeds of worry right from that age, which is absolutely, absolutely wrong. So somehow this PCOS and infertility uh, has caused a lot of anxiety, not only in that woman, but uh, uh, the entire um, family and extended family. And sometimes they think it's a huge stigma and they want to push it under the carpet and uh, try to hide it uh, from the new families that they get into. And then they pull out the old report and say, oh, she had PCOS before, but they never told us before she got married. You know, that, those kind of things as if it is, uh, <laughs> it's something that uh, it's so stigmatized that uh, uh, it was not revealed to, uh, to them. So the myth, myth and misconception is as big as that. You know, as if it's a dreaded disease process. So that's why, again, even at the closing, we want to clarify that this is not a disease process. This is a pattern. It is a syndrome. It has many facets in its course during your own lifetime. And each time it has to be pinched and plugged as the need may be. And sometimes, many a times, there is no need to do anything about this. But as a general rule, even if you don't have PCOS, please pay attention to your lifestyle, which again means your exercise, your diet, and your stress-free mind. Because proactively, if you work on all these three things, believe me, the change in the attitude of believing in wellness rather than illness will go a long way in keeping you fine and fit for all times to come. You know how beautifully you uh, summarize Hima and it's so true because a lot of these conditions are so easily treatable depending on like you said the symptom and how to address it and so there's no reason to have stigmas for conditions that can be easily treated um, and you know I'd like to end with two points. I have over 150 questions uh, with me right now. And I tried to club them, but I'm sure a lot of them have got unanswered. And so I would leave you all with our email ID, unconditionyourself 
at gmail.com. I'd like to repeat unconditionyourself at gmail.com. Please send us your questions. And we have a team of medical experts. They will write the answers. We'll get it confirmed by Hema. And we will make sure that we reply to each and every query that we get. Also, we'll be coming up with monthly seminars and are looking for what areas or conditions you're most interested in. So do send us an email with which are the um, topics that you would like us to cover in the future months. Additionally, <clears throat> I'd like to repeat that we have a talk show or a YouTube channel, Uncondition Yourself. We have launched 12 episodes. We have a very lovely episode on PCOS as well. Hema's talk will also be loaded on that channel. So please make sure you uh, watch all these episodes and get yourselves educated. Last but not the least, we have a quiz for all of you. It's a very easy quiz mostly covers the uh, topics and the you know issues that we discussed on our webinar today and we will be sending attractive prizes uh, to the winners of uh, this quiz so just stay on uh, the, the enthusiastic ones stay on take the quiz it's a great way to educate yourself even if you don't get all of them right we will be sending the answers to you and with that I'd like to thank Hema for her time. She's one of the most reputed and sought after speakers in our country. I'm from a pharma company and I can personally vouch how <laughs> difficult it is to get an hour of Mrs. Hema Devakar's time. Uh, so thank you, Hema, for your time. Thank you for speaking on a very important topic of PCOS. Thank you to our audience for logging on. Don't forget to email us. Don't forget to take our quiz. Don't don't forget to watch our YouTube channel and don't forget to come on next month for our topic that we choose next month. Thank you very much and have a lovely rest of the day. Namaskar. Bye. Thank you, Namita. Time well invested. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. We log off for today. Unconditioned yourself.